So, but as, we, as we're, I'm about to get started, uh, will you please join me again in a quick word of prayer as I pray over this message? Dear Lord, as we look at your word this morning, I thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak what you tell us in Scripture. It is my prayer, and I humbly ask that as I speak, it is the Holy Spirit that is speaking through me. That what I say is not my words, but yours. Please open our hearts and our ears to your message. Help us to see the truth of your word, and help us to take it to heart and reach those around us. In your name I pray. Amen. Now, if you would please turn in your Bibles, um, or if you don't have your Bible and you use a smart device, to Ephesians chapter 3. We'll be starting off in verse 14 and a little bit into chapter 4. If you have not read these chapters for yourself, I would greatly encourage you, as I feel that these chapters are greatly applicable, they're incredibly relevant to our current times and situations. And to start us off, I'd like to ask a couple of questions. Now, please note right now, these questions are purely rhetorical. They are not trying to make any suggestions or any statements as these questions uh, talk about very sensitive subjects, especially right now. So my first question is, is should a church require face masks now that Kate Brown has mandated them again? And with Calvary Baptist hasn't said its statement yet on this subject, when you are out and about in the public or when you attend church, are you going to listen to this mandate or are you going to uh, not listen to it and, uh, or, and possibly go attend a church that follows what you want when it comes to wearing masks? Now, I assume in less than a second, every single one of you thought of your answer, and in less than two seconds, you thought of how you would respond and reasons why the church should or should not require masks. Now, is my point to get you to wear masks? Absolutely not. I, I could not personally care less if you wear masks. Um, it doesn't really bother me whatsoever. However, what I do care about and what I want all of us to be looking at this morning is that in this conversation about wearing masks, you may have decided which church you are going to attend based on their mask policy. And that, right there, is not the reason why we should go to church. And there are other reasons why people in our culture today decide on what church that they are going to attend to. They may choose a church based off of how, how conservative or liberal the churches, or they even might uh, have reasons for what the worship sounds like, what the speaker sounds like. I've actually heard that people choose a church based off of if they serve coffee and snacks before the service. <laughs> Good point. Barna is a research group that uh, has done a few surveys on church attendance, and they surveyed that in the last year and a half. More than 50% of the U.S. population, whether they believe in God or not, no longer attend church. And two-thirds of practicing Christians have either changed churches or no longer attend church as well. In another study by a man named Kerry Newhoff, who, if you do not know who he is, 
Uh, he built a church that was dying from the ground up to a mega church, and he does a lot of his research helping other churches build and keep from dying. He said that there are four major themes people, for why people are leaving the church. And in the, stu- in the study, he said that, number one, people leave the church because churches focus more on their content rather than their relationship and personal connection with the people attending. Number two, they are more focused on attracting numbers rather than biblical teaching and equipping. The third one, which is, I find incredibly interesting, is Christian meanness on social media. And lastly, people leave the church because the church and or the people make politics and ideology more important than theology. Now, I could spend a sermon on each one of these points, but the one we are going to focus on this morning is that last one. Do we, do I, do you, make politics and our ideology or our viewpoints on certain topics more important than theology and studying and worshiping God? And unfortunately for a lot of people, as the studies have shown across our country, that is the case. And what is worse, I think, is the fact that the problem has now become so commonplace in our culture that we no longer see the damage or are aware of the damage and destruction this does with our relationship to other people. See, Satan has turned us into focusing so much on politics and so much on small things that have nothing to do with God that ultimately this is what draws people away from the church. People are trying to defend and what they think is right and wrong rather than being obedient to the gospel and the very word of God. Thankfully, as we all know, we still have hope. We serve and we worship a God more powerful than any person, any political structure or force that has ever existed. And it's now time that we look at the scriptures and we look and turn and fix our eyes on Jesus and what truly matters and what's truly important in this world. So how do we do this? What is the first step that we can take into living a life focused more on God rather than our own personal politics and ideology? So looking at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Now, I am going through the New Living Translation or the NLT version of the Bible, so if what I read it sounds differently, that is why. Um, it says, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. 
Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourself together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. So if you've not studied the book of Ephesians, yet and really dived into it, let me give you a little background behind this passage. So Ephesians, while we call it a book, is actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus. Scholars estimate that he wrote this sometime around 61 AD when he was in prison in Rome. And during this time, Ephesus was one of the most prosperous cities in the region. It was a huge commercial port city that sat on the major trade route of the time, with over 250,000 residents and trade coming from all around the world. It was one of the most culturally diverse cities, as well as it was known as a center of pagan worship, with its temple to the Greek goddess Artemis, or the Romans called goddess Diana. And this temple was one of the seven great wonders of the world, measuring over twice the size of the Greek Parthenon. So if you can imagine, Ephesus, in my mind, was sort of a mini-America, and what I mean by that is it was prosperous in economics. Uh, a lot of famous philosophers came from Ephesus, and it was extremely diverse in the culture and religion. It was a huge melting pot of a lot of different people. Now, for the most part, when Paul writes Ephesians, he does not have a lot of negative critique. In fact, it's quite the opposite. He actually is very encouraging because the church during this time while they're in Ephesus is doing a really great job by Paul in following the gospel and what the gospel has to say. However, as we just read, he begs the church to take action. He says in chapter 4, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. So what I ask you in this passage this morning is, what is our calling? Now, a hint of where to find this, whenever you see the word therefore in a passage— it usually means that what is about to be said applies to something that has already been said. So if you ever see that and you're reading in the passage of Scripture, I encourage you to go to the passage beforehand to read what is being talked about. And in, and in this passage, Paul in chapter 3, verse 19, he says, May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand, then you will be made complete with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So in this passage, Paul is giving us a calling, and our calling is to fully experience the love of Christ so that we will be made complete with the fullness of life and power that comes from God, to fully be devoted to and dive into the love that Christ Jesus offers. Paul is pleading for the church to grow and mature spiritually. It is a call for the church to be fully devoted to and in love with person and teaching of Jesus Christ and to do what Jesus asks of us in our day-to-day -day situation. 
And I think this is so incredibly important for us to see here this morning because it is something that a lot of people in the church are not doing in America. And how do I know this? Well, it's being said in the studies of our church attendance. People are leaving or switching churches because their politics and ideologies are more important than their theology. They're, what they view as important and their personal beliefs on certain situations are more important than studying Scripture and what God has to say. And this even comes from the church. The church, there's a lot of churches that are preaching more on politics and ideology than they are actually preaching from the Scripture. Remember when I asked about the mass earlier? Let's change the question, okay? So if you are a Republican in here, chances are Governor Kate Brown, uh, Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi, President Biden, and Kamala Harris, chances are they're not your favorite person in the world. Or if you are a Democrat in here, the chances are Trump is not your favorite person in the world. So my question is, what if when you came to church this morning, what if that individual was there as well and sat right next to you? How would you treat them? Would you, dre- would you treat them with a welcoming expression of, hi, welcome to church. I'm so glad you're here. God loves you. Or would you change and move seats? Or later after service, would you go and talk to your friends behind their back about how horrible that person is? Or maybe it's not them. Maybe it's someone you have gone to church with for quite a while, and as your relationship has grown, you have, become to, you have began to realize that there are things about God that they see differently or believe differently than you do. For example, one of the reasons why people argue in the church, as I've said, is uh, the worship music. Should a church, in their worship music, should they have guitars and drums and loudspeakers and great singers, or should they be more like Calvary and be a little bit more traditional in their singing? Now, both of these, both of these ways of worshiping God is not wrong. Both of them are great if the focus is solely on worshiping our Lord and Creator. Now, if you make the worship as a vital aspect of your church and you do not engage in worship because it's not the worship that you like to listen to, then the worship has become more important than serving God. Our focus when we come to church should be solely focused on our worship to God and who we are worshiping rather than the music that is played. For the Bible says that in everything that you do, whether eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. Paul continues in chapter 4. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourself together with peace. So I need to make a confession with you all this morning that last summer around the 4th of July, I had a Karen moment. Um, If you do not know what a Karen moment is, this is usually a term referred to as a person or individual that's acting extremely obnoxious or angry, and oftentimes the person feels more entitled and complains about something that they feel is like a wrong in their life. So thankfully, because of COVID, I got to meet my neighbors, and I should have done it a lot sooner. However, I come from California, and where at least where I came from, you never wanted to get to know your neighbors because you didn't want to get shot. Um, 
But I got to meet my neighbors, and we got together, and a lot of my neighbors have kids my daughter's age, and we also shared a lot of the similar interests. And so for the 4th of July, we all got together with this idea, and we asked the police in Hubbard for permission to put a blockade near our house um, so that traffic could not get through. So when we had our 4th of July block party, we could let our kids run around the street and play and whatnot. They agreed and gave us permission to do so, and then they posted on Facebook to the community that where we lived was going to be blocked off. Uh, so then, apparently, what happened is other people in the neighborhood that were kind of living adjacent to us, they asked the police to block off their street as well so that they can do the same. And the police turned them down because in kind of where our area sits, they needed a road that emergency vehicles could access in case of an emergency. So when the police turned them down, naturally the, the neighbor's like, well, this is not fair. You blocked off this street and you're not allowing us to block off our street. And so it eventually led to the police coming back to us and saying, hey, this is the case. Uh, and to maintain the peace, we need to not block off your street. And they were sorry for that. Well, when this happened, and I think it was also due to like all the stress of COVID and lockdowns and all that stuff, I lost it. And I did, I did what every millennial does nowadays when they lose it, is they post to social media. And I posted to the Hubbard Facebook group of my complaints about this situation. Now, obviously, I said things that I should not have said, especially as a Christian, especially as a pastor. Um, and thankfully, by the grace of God and uh, the wisdom of my wife, I eventually uh, changed my mind and I started to see how much damage I was doing and I ended up taking that post off of Facebook. But in this situation, I did not act the way God would have wanted me to act. I responded in a way that I was focused so much on what I wanted, I didn't care what I said on social media and who it may have attacked. And this is not the first time I had to learn this lesson in the last year and a half. But remember my question earlier, what if we had to wear masks again, which now we do. Remember, my, um, I honestly, like, I do not want to wear them. I, I'm vaccinated and I don't feel like I should. However, the governor has mandated this. And so what should my response be? Paul says in Romans 13, 1, everyone must submit to governing authorities for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. Now, before I continue, um, there are things that we should not do and not submit to the government, especially if they tell us to stop worshiping God, we're going to continue to worship God. However, in things that do not deal with our personal salvation, we need to be submitting to our government authorities because that's what the scriptures say. And if Paul says in our Ephesians passage that we read, our primary focus should be on following and serving God and on spiritual maturity and growing in our walks with God, then I should know and be obedient to what he says here in Romans and submit to the government, governing authorities no matter how much I disagree with them because ultimately 
God that has allowed them to be the governing authority in my life, and it's ultimately God that I am serving. Whether we like it or not, Biden is our president, and God is one who has allowed him to be there. It is vital that being obedient and following Jesus needs to be our primary focus in every aspect of our life. Even if that means what Jesus and the Bible tells us is contrary to what we personally feel, want, and desire. And is this, and this, or again, this is not a push for everyone to wear masks. And if that's all that you hear this morning, I'm sorry I miscommunicated that. All I want you to hear from God this morning is to make God the center of your life and in your decisions, to focus on your spiritual growth and love for our Lord Jesus, and to live a life obedient to God, even if that means you have to put your thoughts and opinions to the side. I'm going to kind of go off my my script here a little bit because a passage that kind of stepped into my head this morning as I was thinking about it, the Pharisees tried to... uh, tricked Jesus uh, as he was, dur- like, during his ministry. And what they did is they came to him, and they asked him, Teacher, should we pay taxes to Caesar? See, Pharisees were sitting in a nice, awesome location as they were in it, they were in good relationship with the Roman government, who was the controlling superpower of the time. And they were also the spiritual leaders and advisors to the Jewish people. So they knew that depending on how Jesus answered this question, they could either go to the Roman authority and say, hey, Jesus is rebelling and saying not pay taxes to Caesar. Or they could go to the Jewish people and say, hey, uh, this guy is not this area. He doesn't want your best interest in heart. So that's why they asked him this question. But Jesus, knowing their heart, says, "Render render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and render unto God what is God." Jesus' main concern was not whether or not to pay uh, taxes to Caesar. His concern was ultimately to follow God. And by following God, you give the taxes to and render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And you also give what God deserves what God deserves. In Matthew 22, when the Pharisees asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So the greatest commandment in Scripture is to love God with everything that we are. And the second, which is equally important, we are to love our neighbor and treat them as we do ourselves. Spiritual growth and maturity only comes when we put aside our wants and our own desires and our own political beliefs and ideologies and our opinions. We give our lives in humble obedience and surrender to Christ, and we love God with everything that we are, with all of our heart and all of our soul and all our mind, and by how we love every single person we come across in our day-to-day life. This is what will change our church, our views, our community, city, and ultimately our world. It is not meeting people with equal force, the discord, and the protests that we see today. 2 Timothy is another letter that we have in Scripture from Paul while he wrote in prison. He writes to Timothy 
in chapter 3, in the last days, people will love only themselves. They will scoff at God, be disobedient to their parents. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could ultimately make them godly. And in 2 Timothy 4, he says, and this is a passage that I'm sure all of you have heard, for a time will come when people no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of, the su- don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the mission or carry out the ministry God has given you. It will not be easy following God. It will not be easy to grow and walk spiritually with God um, because, as these scriptures have said, there's going to be a lot of people that are not going to listen. There's going to be a lot of people that fight and bicker with each other. And this passage of Timothy actually is directed towards the people that are inside the church and not outside the church when it says to people will listen to whatever their itching ears want to hear. But it doesn't matter what other people do. What matters is what we do in our obedience and our love for God and our neighbors. So my charge and my urge and beg and plead with you this morning is before you argue and debate with someone Um, who has a difference of opinion than you do, or they believe differently about whether or not they should wear a mask or what music should be played in our worship service, my beg and plead with you is that are my actions in line with how Jesus wants me to love him and love my neighbor? Is this what God wants and how God wants me to treat others, or is this what I want? Then, be obedient to what God wants, even if that means tossing your opinions aside, so that you may be filled with and fully experience the love that Christ has for each one of you. Let's pray. Father God, you are the ultimate authority in our lives. You have made everything and everyone. And it is by your power alone that we are able to see you in the midst of all this chaos. I ask that as we go forth, that you forgive us if we have not put you first in our lives and we have allowed our own wants and desires to dictate our actions. As we go forward, I pray that the Holy Spirit stops us and shows us and empowers us to do your will and be loved to the world so that others may see you through our love. We ask this all in your name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.